Welcome to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. This week on Pitmaster, we have the goat, the big guy, Darren Marth from Smokey D's. He's cooked everything. He's won everything. A great podcast here with a lot of good info and advice on the mental game. There's a lot of great tips and a lot of great stories. This is a great one to give a whirl. So please join me in welcoming Darren Warth. Okay, we're here with Darren Warth from Iowa Smoky D's. How you doing, buddy? Great. Great. That that word is used a lot in conjunction with you. Great. <laughs> People refer to you as the goat, the greatest of all time, which is pretty neat because I just uh, I've been working on this research project. And I had barbecue data run some numbers for me on teams that have combined GCs and RGCs. Um, and it's not even close in terms of who's at the top of that list. You've either RGC'd or GC'd 30, 35.8% of all the contests you've cooked. Yeah, that's, that's really just, if you count, that's only 2007 and later. Yeah. I think if you, if you bring that, that's a bit, I always figured a third of the time I'm either first or second. Yeah. Yeah. That's just an amazing st- statistic that I just saw today, which happened to be the same day I was interviewing you. And I was like, this is cool. Yeah. So <laughs> what do you, how do you feel when people call you the greatest of all time? Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's fun. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm kind of a no nonsense guy. So it's, it's kind of a joke, you know, a nickname, whatever greatest of all time. Am I the greatest of all time? Mm, I doubt it. I've won a lot of contests, been there, done that. Yeah. Been on every major stage. So, you know, it's just, I I don't know, just kind of a legacy, you know, someday I'll probably look back at it and look back at it and say, wow. Right. But you're still, you're still in the mix. It's not like you're, uh, you're washed up or anything. You know, you cooked the KCBS World Championship last year, RGC that, you know, during a weird competition year, which, you know, I got to cook every weekend to stay consistent. That's that's the hardest thing. And not being able to do that this past year was pretty tough on that. Yeah, I think that's probably a lot of tough on a lot of people and, and tough on us too, just from a prep standpoint, you know, it's it's just hard to get out of the rhythm I don't write a lot of stuff. That, I, I really don't write anything down, you yeah. know? So here I am, you know, I, I said after the KCBS world championship, I said, you know what? I'm going to put all this stuff on paper about what I did. And Terry's like, you got to get that done. You got to get that done. <laughs> I guess I didn't do it. You didn't don't do have it. a clue. You don't have a clue. Start from scratch over again. I'll just call it and say, what I tell you? <laughs> Which I've done many times. Yeah. So, so what was that? How did I do that again? did I do that again? What's that recipe I gave you? Can I have that back? (laughs) Well, one of the coolest things that um, I think about the way that you attack a competition cook, especially if it's a major, was the first time that uh, I was cooking close to you at the Royal. And I got to see on day two, I got to see that level of focus and that level of confidence um, that I had not seen and a lot of other people that are cooking, where does that confidence come from? You know, I'm not sure. I think you just, you know, I believe that barbecue is a mental game. You know, yeah, you got to cook good food and you got to be consistent. But if you don't have, when you get into the majors, if you don't have your mental game on, uh, game over. You know, there's a lot of people that I just wish I could get one call. Well, what kind of attitude is that? Right. No, I'm here to win it. You know, it's not about one call. It's about winning it, you know. So if you go in with expectations that, hey, I hope I get one call. You kidding me? I hope I get four calls. Right. You know, so I I think it's just going in with the right frame of mind. You know, I I always say when I'm at the majors, I kind of get this feeling in my head that I'm Tiger Woods over the ball you know, and, and everything's quiet and, and getting ready to tee off and the intense focus, uh, you know, that's kind of what I feel like when I get into barbecue mode. And a lot of times I have to take myself back that I have to, I have to 
think of it, hey, Tiger, start looking at the ball. Don't pull your head type thing. So, Yeah, and I think that's probably some of the best advice that you could give a new person getting into this is the to develop that mental focus and that confidence. Yeah, from a from a new new person staff, I see so many new people, and they're so tied up in what do I have for a cooker, and what rubs do I use, and what sauces do I use. You know what? It doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. You just still have to cook good meat. You know, you don't focus on taste. You focus on tenderness. Yep. You know, you got to cook it right. And if it cooks right and it feels good in the judge's mouth guess what? It's going to taste good there too. Now you can't pull any wild things and flavors out. You kind of got to stay between the boundaries that most commercial rubs today and sauces, they keep you in those boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always say, you know, we won our first 27 grand championships when we were the smoking clones and we put smoking guns, hot and blue, so going and everything, all four categories across the board did that for seven years. <laughs> I, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but I, I think I could probably do that today and still win. Matter of fact, I kind of do that today and still win. <laughs> it's funny. Everyone's always like, you know, what do I need to add to my process? What do I need to add to my process? And 99% of the time it's taking shit away. It does a way better job, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't care. You can cook your chicken on a piece of foil in a pan and a muffin pan. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And, and I think everybody gets so tied up in, I'm going to go take this class and I'm going to, somebody has a little different tweak and the, the class probably, I mean, for a lot of people, it helps them gets in the game early, but you know, it probably causes them more damage, gets their mind thinking way too much. Quit, quit focusing on, quit focusing on all the, uh, just the peripheral stuff and focus on cooking good meat consistently all the time. Make it the same every single time. Yep. Yep. So you've had a, prior to opening a restaurant, you know, you've had a lot of different career stuff and uh, how has your career and life experiences outside of barbecue prepared you to be the pit master that you are? Well, you know, I used to be in the logistics business, you know, so I always in college, I wanted to be an architect. And then I found out that you had to take design classes. <laughs> Those people are weird. <laughs> so I, I was out of the design business. And so I went into business and when we come out, then I wanted to be in an insurance actuary. Don't ask me why I wanted to be it. And I, and I get through this and I'm like, okay, this isn't it either. I'm just going to get a business degree. So here I am out of college, unemployed, trying to figure out what to do. And I got a job as a dispatcher in the transportation business. And it was a super high stressful job. I mean, I worked 65, 70 hours a week, got calls 24 hours a day and made 15,000 bucks a year. But it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about being organized. It taught me a lot about having a process And as I grew up from being a dispatcher up to a VP of logistics, um, I learned about how to manage multiple things at once and how the process affects. And if you have the same process every single time, you can expect that the outcome is going to be the same. So I I think whole process improvement, quality management, that whole training just leads into anything. You know, I'm owning a restaurant's easy. You know, you ought to be trying to be a dispatcher for 60 or 70 trucks. You know, I mean, it's crazy, but it's so much easier. You just walk in, you know, you walk into the restaurant and say, hey, guess what's broke? What's broke today? That's the attitude I go in. What's what's broke today? And they'll go, oh, nothing's broke. Oh, great. Sweet. Or if something's broke, you fix it and on you go next project. So, you know, it's just taught you to be, you know, very flexible and keep the process the same and be consistent. Yeah, it's. And I think another thing that, you know, everyone talks about on here is how important it is to have the right people around you. Like, you know, I know, I know that Sherry does stuff in the trailer that really helps, uh, helps you out and keeps you organized and clean. And uh, Kim does it for me, but you, I mean, but that's true in pretty much any facet, I think. I mean, I know, I know your right hand, your right hand woman at the restaurant, Amanda Durflinger, she's, she keeps it on the straight and narrow, doesn't she? She keeps it. Well, she's my, she's my sounding board. So when I get these crazy ideas, I'm like, what do you think of that? And sometimes I get that look like, no, <laughs> you know, and sometimes she buys into it and stuff. So, 
I get those looks uh, all the time from Kim. Like, what made you think that that was a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> at least I, at least I try and bullshit it with Amanda before I try and implement it. <laughs> Sometimes you get one through, though, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I throw us throw her for a loop. <laughs> we talk a lot about success in barbecue. Um, but one of the things I like to talk about are failures in barbecue that helped you learn something. Do you have a favorite failure of yours that really taught you something? Well, <laughs> I'm not sure it was my favorite one, but I still get a good laugh about it. You know, I go back to 2019, Jack Daniels. We're sitting at the world championship and I had in my mind, and we weren't having a good pork here. Okay. I mean, the pork just, I could not hit in pork. And so I'm like, I, I'm going to switch this up. So I was, I was talking and, you know, I was seeing all these older judges and at, at the Jack and I'm going, you know what, instead of pork, instead of throwing all these different things at them, I'm just going to throw a nice box of pulled pork at these judges. And Sherry, I had this in my mind for two weeks and we get there and Sherry's like, you're going to do what? I'm going, yep, I'm doing it. I'm turning in a, a box of pulled pork. <laughs> She's like, okay, you're crazy, but okay. I think it's stupid, but you know, so we go to turn ins and I'm turning and I start to build this box of pulled pork and it was chunks and pulled kind of all mixed in together. I mean, it looked really good. And Cherry looks over and she sees these uh, money muscles sitting on the table. She goes, oh, those look so beautiful. You've got to turn those in. And I reached over to him and grabbed him up and tore him apart and put him in as part of the chunk of the box. And she's like, I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> well, anyway, so I, we turned it in, right? We go to awards and, and we had an okay cook, nothing great. And we get a fifth call in chicken. We win first place in ribs. Uh, we end up getting third place in brisket. And, and right when they were announcing pork, they said, and a and then another 180 and we had just got a 180 in ribs and they said another 180 and Brad Leininger was sitting across from me and he knew what I did and he looked across me and started shaking his head and then they called him for a 180 in pork because he had got a 180 in dessert. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway we end up getting 57th place in pork that day um, and reserve grand champion. If we would have got 56th place, we win the Jack for the second time. So that was probably one of my failures, you know, and the, and the, you know, just kind of sometimes when you're listening to your conscience, it's better to just listen to your wife instead. Because <laughs> <laughs> she tried to talk me out of it all the way up until the very end. And you tore the money muscle up right in front of her. That's awesome. Right in front of her. And her eyes were, she just shook her head, you know, and, and we'd won the Jack before. So it was like, most people would think this is a world championship, but we'd been there, done that, you know? So I'm like, I'm going to take a risk. It's either going to pay off or it's not. And I'm not a big risk taker, but that day I felt like being it. And I had it in my mind, I was doing pulled pork. So, oh, well, well, right. Right. And sometimes you have to, I mean, it's, it's a good segue into a different question in terms of those type of gut feelings. You know, how do you, how do you make the decision on what to follow and what not to follow? You know what I mean? Well, something, if your intuition's telling you something, if it's telling you your brisket's overdone, it's probably yeah. over, you know, and, and we found that a lot cooking in higher elevations where temperatures really don't matter anymore and everything becomes feel, or you get this mindset that, Hey, I have to bring, I have to uh, pull my brisket at 210 degrees, say, you know, and all of a sudden it's at 205 and it's just beautiful. And you're like, I really should pull it. I really should pull it. I really should pull it. And then you don't pull it. And then all of a sudden it's overdone right. or, you know, the opposite way that, you know, it felt really good, but I know it's going to tighten up, but I'm pulling it anyway. And then it tightens up on you. Yeah. I think a lot of that is just learned through experience. You know, I tell people all the time, they're like, how did you get better? I'm like, cook a hundred briskets, man, like cook yeah. them, know them. And you gotta, that's the only way to get better. Yeah. When we, when we first started, you know, there really wasn't much of the internet even back in 2003. I mean, very, you know, Google wasn't really a thing, you know, so we had the barbecue forum that a lot of people shared 
knowledge on there, but there wasn't a Facebook, there wasn't barbecue classes, there wasn't any of that stuff. So if you learned it, you practiced it, or you went to a contest and, and tried to kind of shig it off somebody else. Right. And you know, there was mentors back then that, that helped you and, and wanted to, you know, move along. And now today, I mean, it's crazy. You can take a team that's never competed in their life, go take a class and they win grand championship next week. Well, it wasn't that easy back then. Right. And that's, you know, a lot of classes right now, it really has leveled the playing field. And, you know, a lot of people like to say, oh, the judging's changed and made barbecue different. And I'm like, no, everybody's gotten better or has more knowledge now than they did. You know, Right. Yeah. It, it used to be the, you know, people were good, you know, at, at a couple of categories. They'd come in and were good at a couple of categories, but they could never put all four together. You mm-hmm. know, we were able to put all four together. And, you know, that was a thing. That's not the case anymore. I mean, it's it's crazy how the, the level of barbecue, but it's the same judges. You know, I mean, it's you can you can blame it on the judges all, all you want. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, come over and they taste this. And I'm wondering, you really want me to taste this? Because I really don't want to taste it. I mean, if I taste it, I'm going to tell you what it's like. And I, what's wrong with it? And then they can't figure out why they didn't win. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, this really isn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of the hardest things out there, and uh, when people bring you food, and and I tell them, I tell them the same thing. I'm like, I, if I eat this, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> yeah, how I feel about it, and you're probably not going to like what I have to say, but you know, <laughs> exactly. So what you've you've won everything, you've done anything. What what's the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? Well, I just think it's some of the people we met you know, along the way. I mean, who's to, who's to think that I'd spend two days with Bill Murray at his house right. because of barbecue. I mean, who's to think that I'd go out to dinner with Rodney Crowell and all the, all the people you meet along the way. I mean, it's just, it's crazy where barbecue connects a world together, you know? And I, and I think, you know, the one thing about barbecue that I always say is, you know, I could be anywhere in this country, anywhere in this country, can be broke down and I guarantee I'd have help within an hour because yeah. there's so many people that know so many people of how, you know, here's what's going on. It's such a tight knit community that, you know, I don't think there's anybody in the barbecue world I wouldn't invite into my house to spend the night if they needed to. Well, Bill Gillespie, I mean, come on. Oh, Billy. <laughs> I just like the way he says lobster. <laughs> He says everything that way. I, yeah. I, love, I love cooking with him in Southern Virginia so I can translate to those people. And what he's saying. <laughs> Old Channel 415 Billy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, so you've mentioned tenderness and organization. Are those the things that separate a good pit master from a great pit master? Well, I think, yeah, and consistency just being able to put the same food out every day, week in and week out, being able to focus. But yeah, this isn't difficult. Right. It really isn't difficult. You can, you can get your mind all psyched up and whatever, but just go cook. You know, I mean, we went to Kansas during the world championship. We didn't, we didn't think we had, a, I wasn't feeling very good. And I had a sore back and was just kind of out of it and had a cold coming on and it just wasn't, wasn't me. And so nothing tasted good, which I don't taste much anyway, but you know, it just didn't seem like everything was going right. But at the end, we were able to say, hey, let's turn in these boxes and see what happens. You know, worst thing you're going to do is lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, consistency. I mean, that's the one word that, uh, you know, whether it's competition barbecue, whether it's in the restaurant, whatever it is, consistency is like one of the keys to making everything happen. Yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk, get into some gear questions. And because you're a big, you love things you every grill you got them all you got all this stuff it's fun what's what's one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've made in competition barbecue one the one of the what i mean investments i've made yeah uh, maybe the six or seven gear pits i don't know i'd have to have sherry go out in the garage and count but <laughs> <laughs> You know, the gear pit, I mean, just cooking on a gear pit, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's no other. I always, I was joking last week with somebody on the internet, they were showing their nice fancy bit, pit and I said, oh yeah, they're really nice, but you know, Gambo's 
win world championships. Other cookers just win championships. <laughs> and if you think, I mean, think about Jamie Gear. Think about Tuffy Stone. You know, just all the, you know, and all the championships we've world championships we've won. It's just crazy. They're just magical machines. They're a lot of fun to use too. I, I wouldn't trade my two for anything. Well, maybe for another one, but maybe. <laughs> I've been put on uh, Jimbo buying hiatus for a while. So have you? Yeah. I hate, when, hate when they do that. <laughs> Some sometimes people want to replace Jambos with golf carts. That's not good either. <laughs> <laughs> so when you first started out. When, when you and Sherry first started out cooking, what were some of the best decisions that you made in terms of getting into it? Well, I, I, I think it was, you know, it hurt, you know, a little story. Our first contest back in 2003, we're sitting in Sedalia, Missouri. And we pull up to this contest and there's 60 teams. Um, and, uh, lots of Kansas City teams. And I knew quite a few of them just from the barbecue forum. Never had met them in person, but just knew them there. And we pull up and there's this, beautiful spot real close to the judging tent i'm not sure why nobody took that spot but we went up and took that spot and got all our stuff set up and we were going around and then i started to cook and that's back when we were low and slow you know i was lighting the pit at eight nine o'clock at night and tending the fire all night long and we had taken two vehicles i had a brand new gator pit that i had bought and we had a pop-up trailer uh a pop-up camper and we would brought the neighbors i mean it was like a six-hour trip and we had just having the time of our lives Till it started raining all night long and then we learned you know i mean it just piled up the rain while we were in a low spot and oh. that's why nobody took that spot <laughs> so by morning it was just i mean ankles mud the easy ups were leaking i was sitting out there in a lawn chair i was miserable and i go to, and i go to the you know the restroom the bathroom at like six o'clock in the morning and I'm coming back and something just feels eerie. Something is not right. And all of a sudden, an 85 mile an hour downburst comes through the site and it twists the circus tent right behind us. And I run back, I knock on the camper door, wake up Sherry, the neighbors, everything, get in the suburban, get in the suburban. And this storm blew through and just toppled brand new easy ups, melted them to the firebox. It was just, it was the most horrible and here I am. And you know, I'm like, I'm done. I am just done. And Sherry says, nope, you bought all this stuff. You're turning in. Oh, we did our turn ins. And I remember <laughs> I had cooked a full bone in chicken breast as my chicken category. And I cut six slices all the way through the bone and everything. And that's what we turned in full bone in. And the pork never got done. It was just, a, it was a nightmare. Well, we got two calls that day, instantly hooked for life. Right. And so I always tell people it's all about overcoming adversity. Um, that's about overcoming adversity. And that's kind of where that comes from. I mean, worst day of our lives, but probably the most, the best day of our life. Right. And those first two calls are the most expensive calls in the world because. Uh, yeah. I always say, man, we're, we're over a million into it now. So. <laughs> If she just would have let me quit, I'd still be fishing. <laughs> so we talked about the pits and we talked about, you know, everything, all the expensive stuff. What are some purchases of under a hundred dollars that really have helped out your competition game? I tell you, it seems, it seems simple and it seems stupid, but a disposable injector. A disposable injector, they're a dollar, 40 cents, 50 cents, a dollar. Crazy. I, I have for years fought different injectors and this, you know, it didn't get clean and it got moldy or whatever, but a, just a simple disposable injector, one for each meat that you're injecting, inject it, throw it away. If it breaks, grab another one, any vet supply just the best thing ever. It's probably, I'm not much into electronics. Yeah. So I, I'm not a big electronics guy. I've tried to kind of move away from having probes in meat, even though, you know, it's some that I do, I want to watch, but for the most part, you just kind of get this feeling that hey, pork's probably done. 
Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, I would say the disposable injector has changed my life. I think it would be remiss of us to not talk about the butter cutter. Well, that's kind of the favorite gift, but and oh. that's kind of the mess up, right? So, you know, I mean, the butter cutter, people see the butter cutter and they're going, what? But a simple butter cutter on Amazon for three, four, five dollars, you know, whole stick of butter, whew, cut all at once. Life I mean, you know, it's life changing. Yeah, you, you saw me cutting butter with a knife and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Don't you have a butter cutter? I've given the butter cutter to a lot of people. They're like, what is this? I'm like, trust me. <laughs> trust, me. trust me. Oh yeah. Butter cutters are a great tool. Tweezers, you know, little, little tweezers, just little things that make it better. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't depend on technology in your competition approach too much outside uh, of the alarm. No, I, 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 I've, I actually hate it. I, I, I am not a put a, and I've tried it all and have digital, you know, I used to have FEC 100s in the back of the trailer and we'd put meat on low and slow 11 o'clock at night. And I'd have these control boards and all this stuff. And I want to be able to look over my phone, make sure it was alarming me and it never worked and it didn't work from the front of the trailer, the back of the trailer. And it's just like, just not a good technology guy when i just i have a lot of frustration when it comes to technology um so i just try and stay away from it <laughs> just avoid it i remember i used to when i first started with uh on the backwoods or the webers even and i would run uh the barbecue guru cyber q2 and i would take a laptop and have it like running into the laptop and graphing everything. And I was like, man, one day I was just like, this is, I got to stop this. This is stupid. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Newstrom with big T's. He, he used to, he used to have a whole of these WSM set up and he had this whole thing monitoring every single temperature. And I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter. If your pit goes from 270 to 290, it doesn't matter. It really just don't let it go out. <laughs> that's the that's the worst thing that could happen but <laughs> even then though it's not the end of the day there's ways to come back from that too yeah just start up another chimney of charcoal and back you go again right don't open the door right <laughs> so okay let's talk about some influencers who's who's impacted your life the most in competition barbecue you know i say that's probably a tie I, I would say a tie between Phil Hopkins at Smoking Guns uh, Barbecue and Rod Gray. And both because early on kind of took me under their wing. Um, you know, Phil, even from the restaurant business, took me under his wing. He's, he's created probably the, I know by far the best barbecue rub ever made. Still in everybody's repertoire that's there and just kind of showed me the ins and outs early on on competition barbecue. And, you know, Rod and I, we were old friends from um, even the, you know, Pellet Envy days when he was first getting going and, and Rod was, he still is a really good cook. Um, but he, we just talked things back and forth. We spent hours on the phone and back and forth and text and we cooked a lot. You know, I once, the only class I ever went to, Went to a class which was Johnny Trigg and Rod Gray, and I really never paid attention because people were like, "Why aren't you paying attention?" I'm like, "Oh, we cook the same stuff," <laughs> you know. And it was interesting to watch Johnny, or at least taste his ribs. Still one of the best ribs I've ever tasted in my life. But it, it was just interesting. But but those two are probably the most influential when I look back, you know. And not to forget, you know, and also Sterling, Sterling Ball. You know, he was back when we were hot. And kind of started to fall off a little bit and said, eh, you know, are we really into this game or not? And Sterling was kind of the mentor that pumped me back up and got me really in re-enthused about competition barbecue. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, kind of made it a challenge and kind of brought me back and, you know, got me re-excited about it. You know, because there was times it's like you're kind of going through the motions and mm -hmm. like, okay, is this for me? Is this for me? But, you know. Yeah. Probably those three. When you hear the word successful in terms of barbecue, who's the first person that comes to mind? 
I would say Mike Mills. Mike Mills. You take Mike Mills, you know, I mean, you, you take a guy that was just a normal small town guy and goes in and does everything he did in competition barbecue and kind of built this restaurant, you know, I'll call it an empire, a small empire, but, you know, super respected amongst everybody. I don't, I don't think anybody could ever say there was a guy like Mike Mills. He loved everybody. He'd give everybody the time of day and, and stuff. So, I mean, to me, that's success. Yeah. Yeah. The barbecue world is going to miss Mike for sure. Yep. When you're having an issue outside of me, who else do you, do you contact for help? That's kind of a, that's kind of a tough one. Usually what I try and do is I figure out who's, so if I got a pork problem, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to who's winning in pork and I'm going to try and just kind of nibble away <laughs> at things and try and get, or maybe somebody that's been to their class. I'm not a big class guy, but I'm really good at, Hey, you went to their class. What'd they do? <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely, an art. there's an art to it. There, there, there's, an, there's an art to it, uh, you know, going through it. So, you know, I mean, just, just everybody, you got to go to who's winning. You know, I mean, they're, it's crazy. I, get, I still get emails, you know, about every week and somebody will, some people just aren't, they're just blatant. I mean, they will come out, I'll get an email that says, hey, can you send me over your pork recipe? I'm not very doing very well in pork. <laughs> really? Have you seen my pork scores lately? <laughs> you know, first of all, and second of all, it maybe warm me up a little bit first before you, <laughs> hi, how are you doing here? You know, buy me, buy me dinner first, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll help anybody, but just to out of the blue, somebody I don't know, Hey, send me your pork recipe and send it on my company Facebook page and, and just constantly just won't give up just over and over and over again. Just give me anything. Give me anything. Give me this. Give me this. Give me this. Do you have like a fake recipe that you send to people? No, <laughs> no I just avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> so are you a superstitious guy? Do you have any rituals and stuff that you have to do at every contest? That we have to do, we, you know, we started out, you know, I mean, we used to be a lot more superstitious, you know, we had, you know, like the 922 shot, you know, we started that years ago, um, Phil Hopkins, he used to have an eight o'clock shot or first he had an 11 o'clock shot and Phil Morrow and Phil Hopkins, a lot of Kansas city guys had this 11 o'clock shot. Well, the young guys, we started Twyford and Scotty Johnson on it. We said, oh, we better do an eight o'clock shot so we can get ready for the 11 o'clock shot. And so we had an eight o'clock and 11 o'clock. And then we're like, you know what? We got to come up with something. So I've just had in my mind working through the timeline, when can we do a shot? And out of the blue, I'm like, we got to do a 922. And they said, why, why 922? And I said, who does anything at 922 because when you cook you're usually doing stuff on the hour or the 15 minutes you know i put yeah. my chicken on the tin and wrap my ribs at this time or whatever nobody's doing anything at 22 <laughs> so we kind of stuck the 922 and then it, it started there and then it, it kind of exploded that people made the 911 and they you know drinking is just a big part of the game but superstition you know the other thing i like to do i like to get in bed by nine o'clock that's that's kind of one of my things it doesn't always happen when i hang around you especially um but more jeff than me yeah probably jeff yeah but the, the nine o'clock curfew because you know it was like i used to get up at 4 50 every morning now we've kind of moved that that we're like 4 20 or 4 30 every morning but we get up at 4 50 every morning so i want to make sure that i was well rested because it's just like any other day so if, if you want to stay up and hey i'm a new team and i want to stay up and drink all night long how good do you think your focus is going to become turned noon when you're tired and worn out? So it was always get to bed early, you know, one drink, one drink on Friday night. It's kind of slipped a little bit, but so I think scores. <laughs> I'm allowed three. I've kind of relaxed that rule a little bit just because. Okay, so is that on Friday night? So that doesn't count your Friday afternoons? No, it's just three on Friday. That's all I'm allowed. Um, yeah, and you know, there's a lot of rules that Kim has, you know. And she she's got spies everywhere. Like they people rat me out real so fast. 
but you know that's for another podcast another day kim's going to start emailing or interviewing teammates it's going to be awesome oh good <laughs> uh do you do the same prep stuff during the week like is your competition week the same every week or you just kind of get it done when you can it used to be the same back when i was good it was the same so i mean we i always made it and it's funny I always made sauces and, and injections on Sunday night. And now people are like, you can't make that more than two days ahead of time. Well, we used to make it on Sunday night. You know, so we did that on Sunday. We always did chicken. We'd try and get that out of the way early in the week because that was the worst one. Mm-hmm. Now it's the one that I actually like to trim the most. But so what we try to do is do something every night, do a little bit every night so you weren't rushed at the end of the week trying to get everything jammed together. So if you did a little bit and spent an hour every night getting stuff done and took a night off somewhere in the middle there, um, you could, and if you had a trailer, you could do that pretty easily. Now it's like kind of like a train wreck a little bit. You know, when you're, when you're not cooking every single weekend, you know, you get out of a rhythm and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll get that done next time. I can trim chicken and pork and ribs and whatever. And then you're sitting there that night going, oh, what did I do? Why did I sit on the couch yesterday? Right. I did that a couple of times last year. I'm like, I'll just trim it at the contest. Yeah. I, I was big into that. <laughs> I was like, this was a terrible idea. Terrible. <laughs> terrible idea i mean it used to be if you trim if i trim ribs on tuesday you know and you trim them and there's something you didn't like about them you go get more ribs right now you're like yeah throw them in the cooler i'll trim them when we get the con ah they're good enough <laughs> we'll make these work <laughs> we'll make these work. you listen to music while you're cooking I hate music <laughs> you hate music. i just I, i'm just not a I am just not a music guy. I mean, sometimes Sherry will have it playing, but if I'm cooking by myself, you're not going to find music. I'll drive halfway across the country and never turn on the radio on my truck. Wow. I'm just not a music guy. I'm, I'm a thinker. You know, that's what I like to do. I just, you know, focus and think. And, you know, I think about as I'm driving, even today, I'm thinking about the restaurant or thinking about things. It's just my me time, you know, and I've never really been a, a music guy until you know i mean once in a while a guy has to slide in a little bit of journey and reo speedwagon and <laughs> just like bill gillespie <laughs> just like bill gillespie i knew i loved that guy for a reason <laughs> he's permanently stuck in the 80s that's amazing yeah i just i just like to go back once in a while you know sing a little lucy in the sky with diamonds and you know that type of stuff <laughs> so do you when you guys start a new season, do you set goals for the team? Do you have goals or is it just as we're going to try and win every contest we cook? Yeah, no, we really don't. We, we've never set goals. And so that I remember that we would ever say, Hey, let's try and win this many or try and do that. I mean, ultimately you just, you just want to be competitive, you know, and when it gets to the world stage, you want to be really competitive. Yeah. Uh, you know, but no, we don't, we don't, if you set a goal, then you're, you're probably going to be disappointed in competition barbecue. Right. <laughs> right. You said something to me one time that I repeat all the time to people. And it's, you know, whenever this stops being fun, that's when I stop doing it. Yeah. And, uh, right. I think that that's a, just a great saying. If you're not, if you, if it's become something that you don't like, or because you've made these goals for yourself and, you're not hitting them and that frustrates you, then maybe you should adjust the thinking or find something else. That's exactly right. It's all about fun. You know, we're, we, I mean, we've had, we've had more fun than probably we should have been allowed. <laughs> Absolutely. I can think of one specific instance. <laughs> Way too much fun. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. It's, it's all fun and games till somebody gets pregnant. Right. <laughs> so what, you know, you've been around barbecue and you've seen it change over the years. I mean, what, you've been doing it almost 20 years now, probably. Yeah, we're, we're 17, 18, 18 years, maybe. What do you see as the future of competition barbecue? Well, I, I think somehow this, this whole, when we first started, 
you know, it was an easy up tent gig. You know, the rich guys had a, you know, they had a motor home, wasn't a fancy motor home, but, you know, for the most part, it was a tent thing. And, you know, I, I see today it's transformed into people are spending their kids' college education dollars on barbecue trailers trying to go out and win a prize that doesn't exist. And so, you know, I mean, back in the day, we, I feel like I'm an old guy back in the day, <laughs> uh, but, you know, our best year ever, you know, I think we won $169,000. Not sure anybody's ever done that. And I don't think it'll ever be done again because there's just not that much money. You know, we used to be able to sustain our habit. Some days, some years we would break even some days, some years we would make money after all the expenses. But, you know, if you're going to be out and do 25 contests, I mean, you got to make 40, 50,000 bucks to pay for the thing, let alone the equipment. You know, that's, that's not happening today. All those big contests are kind of gone. So I see it kind of going back. We got to somehow get it back to a blend between the backyard, which I see those guys are still the love of cook, loving to cook and guys getting or gals getting together and having fun and cooking, trying to win a prize versus everybody wants to win a world championship today and going through all kinds of cost of, hey, I don't know how to cook a regular brisket. Why would I cook a $200 one? Mm -hmm. Because that's what the class told me to do. You know, so I'd like to see it where it was, you know, maybe brought back a little bit into more one day events. Mm -hmm. where people don't have to make a huge investment. There's a lot of people that blow all their vacation and, and time on, um, you know, barbecue competition. Well, if we could get to one day events and maybe we're just doing some ribs or some of the best cooks I've had were just, hey, do a couple rib and a couple steak in a day or something like that that's low prep and things and then also have have a big big money stuff so i want to play for big money then i'm going to do all four and i'm going to spend three days getting ready for it or hey it's just as equal that i can go out and compete and do a rib contest in the parking lot on saturday when i don't have a lot of time right there's got to be a blend there because there's still a very um there's a big population of backyard cooks that take it very seriously and that are good cooks that just maybe don't have the financial to get into the big show. Right. Like, okay, but you guys are acting like we did 18 years ago, you know? So somehow how do we bring that blend back in that it's not a bad thing for, you know, Bookie D's to go cook a backyard rib contest or a rib contest and quit calling it backyard, just cooking against other people and, and learning. Yeah. KCBS started those, uh, those single meat rib contests last year i got to do a couple of them in new jersey and they were a lot of fun because uh, there was a big backyard contingent there uh we had a guy that came uh big al he wasn't very big he's a little guy and uh they didn't want to give him a a full sight because he just had a he just had a smoky mountain and that was it so he came and set up in our site he had never been to a competition before, you know, never seen anything, just wanted to cook his ribs. Yeah, it was a lot of fun seeing that and seeing that enthusiasm. And, you know, and I used them to play around and do different stuff. You know, I'd never done gateway drum ribs in a contest before. So I, I was like, I'm going to do these rib contests on that. You know, it was fun. I'm always, you know, it's all about different. It's all about having fun. And I think sometimes in the big scheme of things, when people start to lose out on that and they, they worry too much about winning or worrying too much about, can I get a sponsor? I mean, I've never, sponsors, sponsoring teams, give me a, give me a flag. And it's like, I just gave you a million dollars, you know, and fly. And they just want to be part of the group, whether they're paid for it or not. So you've talked, we've talked a lot about focus and we've talked a lot about being in the game. Do you engage in psychological warfare barbecue contests? I I created psychological warfare in barbecue contests. Let's just <laughs> straight to the point, you know, years ago, the it, it kind of started. I always, I always, and it doesn't work so much anymore because I keep sharing the idea with people, but you know, I remember one of the first, I don't know, it was probably 2013, 2014. We're sitting at the American Royal and 
I look down and here's Rod Gray sitting and he's, he's 50 yards away from me. But I could still see him over there and I thought, ah, I'm gonna get him. So I called him up on the phone. And Rod's like, hey, what do you need? And I said, just wanted to make sure you got a call today and hung up the phone. And so it became fun to do that. People would be sitting right in front of me and I would call them up. You know, the, the Motley Q crew, <laughs> Onion and those guys, I'd, I'd call them up and say, what do you need? Aren't you right behind me? Yeah, I just want to make sure you got a call today. You know, and that type stuff. But I mean, even the people, some people take it so seriously. And if you can, if you can start getting their head and, you know, tell them, wow, you've really been struggling lately, you know, and type thing. And then they start thinking about it, it gets in their mind, you know, it's subliminal, you know, messages. So it doesn't work on me. And when I go to the Royal, no, so many people know that I have to shut off my phone. Right. <laughs> Or else it'd just be constantly ringing. It'd just be constantly ringing. Yeah, people saying, I hope you get a call today. I just want to make sure you got a call today. I, I've seen you do do some things to people, too, that just make me laugh. Like all the guys that call you Daryl. Yeah. And I and I was just like, why do they call you Daryl? And you were like, only the people that are scared of me call me Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I created psychological warfare. I, I just think it's it's that's a great question because you know there's so much to it in terms of you can say one thing to some people and it just you can see the switch flip in their head a little bit like oh maybe i should pay attention to what i'm doing you know <laughs> like <laughs> well like that hat you're wearing luke you so, know first thing, now all of a sudden now you're going to be going hey kim is this hat cool <laughs> nope Kim loves the hat. I've even got a blue one too. That makes me want to sing the OVS. <laughs> Stay tuned, buddy. There's a new one coming out soon. I won't be able to get that out of my head. I'll sing it for days. <laughs> There's a new track coming soon. It's new fantastic. Track coming soon. <laughs> are you going to be TikTok famous with it? I might, I might use it to do my very first TikTok, by the way. I would. Absolutely. You know, TikTok's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think's missing from competition barbecue these days? You know, there's that level that everybody's too damn serious. You know, go out and have fun. I mean, but there's still people having fun, don't get me wrong. But, you know, not as much fun as we used to have. Right. You know, there's more focus on winning and producing results than just playing the game, enjoy the game, meet the people, meet the friends, have the good food. You know, that's what competition barbecue is about. It's not about going to a contest. It's about where can I find some kick-ass local food to eat at <laughs> the night before or yeah. the day after, you know, that type thing. I mean, that's what the, it's just a journey. That's what the journey's about. Right. And I just think about the, the things that we've found from you know traveling all over the place and cooking different things and i can think of like two or three things that that you've turned me on to that i'm like you know like kelly's mustard yeah like, that's amazing what else is there kelly's mustard smoked bologna with pimento cheese and grilled onions yeah that sounds good oh like you haven't had that wickles the pickles oh, wickles yeah somebody i introduced somebody to wickles who was that last week they said something about Wickles, and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they are sending me a picture. Found them. <laughs> so let's get into some rapid fire questions here at the end. Can you just say pass? No. No. So I'll just do a bunch of um, that type stuff? Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. What do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? What do I see about social media or on social media about barbecue people posting crappy boxes wondering why they didn't get nines <laughs> it's my favorite too like why didn't this do what better well it looks well, like because it looks like a train wreck <laughs> exactly <laughs> do you have any favorite pre during or post competition meals no i gotta have breakfast you know and and the shigan breakfast of course, is numero uno if you can get the shigan breakfast. Otherwise, you know, it's funny because people got onto I like breakfast. So now 
I find myself eating like five breakfasts on contest morning, you know, and then you don't eat the rest of the day because I don't eat my stuff, you know, but it's just breakfast is a big thing. I used to like to stop and after the contest and get a filet of fish from McDonald's. <laughs> I haven't done much lately anymore, but yeah, for the most part, you know, breakfast, I'm a breakfast guy. Thank God you didn't go Donnie Teal on me there with his Tijuana mama's still can't believe where we found that in florida right that was oh horrible (laughs) what's your favorite present that you like to give to people you've already sort of yeah the butter the butter cutter that's that's a favorite butter cutter or bourbon one or the other bourbon bourbon's a good gift and unless people switch out the the bourbon in the bottle oh boy (laughs) Memories. memories memories I don't think that that one will leave for a while, though, because there will be some payback at some point. <laughs> you got to let people know, you know, so these guys, you know, Luke was bringing me a bottle of Blanton's or two or three from Virginia because he could get a hold of it and I couldn't. And we're up at Teddy Camp this summer in Minnesota. And so I go to get my thing and I showed up a day late because I had things going on at the restaurant and I get there and they give me the Blanton's or whatever and I'm fine, pack it away, take it home. And so I'm sitting here and Jeff showed up one night on his way through to deer hunting and, and he goes, Hey, let's drink some of that plant. And so I get out the blends and he's inspecting this bottle. I'm like, what are you doing? So we start drinking and it's okay and whatever. And, and these guys had taken a Blanton's bottle and drank it and then filled it full of black velvet and maneuvered the wax ring back on it. So that I was thinking I was getting it. So, you know, Jeff, Jeff was like, it was crazy. I'm like, I'll get you back. So these guys are all laughing, texting back and forth and laughing at me, making fun of me that I didn't know. Cause I thought, well, you know, I haven't had a blinds in a while. It's okay, but this isn't anything great. So Jeff goes out in the garage and I go out in the garage with him. I had Sherry switch out his Blantons for, for uh, black velvet again. And he came back in and just started drinking. He goes, yeah, I really don't like blends anymore. I really don't. Like, yeah, I think it's overrated. <laughs> Oh, I think it's one of the best gags of all time. It was, what a, matter of fact, speaking of TikTok, I saw somebody did that the other day on TikTok. It was a gag thing on TikTok. I saw them put Rebel Yell or something. No, uh, H&A yeah. or something. Yeah. They stole that from us. That's, 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 my, that's my pastime now. TikTok, watching TikTok videos. I learn so much every day. <laughs> TikTok. I had, I had to delete the app. It just got too much. <laughs> yeah because you were just spending six hours a day on it right <laughs> what do you think are the biggest misconceptions about you misconception that's a tough one i don't i don't have a clue i don't think there are any really what are the biggest misconceptions about me what you see is what you get right it's no mystery there. pretty pretty straight up guy yeah they all maybe that they think that I'm a great cook when really I'm just a I'm just an average cook that knows how to cook average all the time consistently <laughs> consistently average <laughs> I'm consistently mediocre <laughs> if you could have a giant billboard anywhere with anything on it that gets a message out to millions of people what would you put on it and why wow this is you know there's multiple answers to this I've heard, this, I've heard this one in the past and, and probably the one that, you know, is, is a Sherry saying, it's just be nice, be nice. Now, ultimately, I always wanted an eat here one. Always wanted that sign on the restaurant that said eat here. <laughs> but the really serious part of me or the not so serious part of me says, I'd love to have one that says stop the brother and let my brother, stop the bus and let my brother jack off. <laughs> Because it would make millions of people laugh. Exactly. That's a great one. That might be the best answer ever to that question. That was my, that was my intramural softball team in college. <laughs> hey, we've got to have a name. Okay, stop the bus and let my brother Jack off. <laughs> <laughs> At awards, we won these awards and they're reading it off and they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But everybody, but everybody would laugh. You know, if we could just if, if the world would forget about the world for a minute and just start laughing you know eliminate all the keyboard cowboys on facebook and all that other bullshit and just have fun nobody right. cares but at the end of the day nobody cares 
Right. I tell people that all the time. They're like, oh, I, I did this. I'm like, there's 20 people in the world that think that's awesome. <laughs> exactly. Yep. What's a last question? What's an unusual habit that you have or something, an absurd thing that you love? That just doesn't, that's just completely out there. Wow. I'm not sure there's anything really that weird. <laughs> it's a tough question. It I mean, is a tough question. Mine's easy. It's sending underwear to people. I love doing yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Until they changed them. Apparently, they've changed them back. Yeah. Don't fit right. They don't. The waistbands are wrong. Yeah. Wrong. Slip down. I mean, how many pairs of underwear is enough? I, that's had that conversation with Kim yesterday. And she's like, there's 70 pair of underwear in here. I think maybe you could, you know, take some time off. <laughs> I don't know that there's really anything where maybe we're sure maybe you can answer this because I'm just kind of a normal average guy. You do have tanning bed goggles in your truck. I do have tanning bed. Yeah. You're of course, I haven't been tanning bed in a year or two, but. You also have zero fear of tornadoes and think it's funny to terrorize yeah, them. Yeah, well, you know, I couldn't imagine. You probably will never, ever cook in the state of Oklahoma during tornado season. No. <laughs> Sounds terrible. Yeah. Just story, Luke. One time we were on our way to a contest and he's riding along and we're going to Wisconsin and uh, we're cruising along I-80, almost to Iowa City and all of a sudden tornado warnings and it's 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 five o'clock at night and it's dark out i mean it's stormy yeah no big deal and you know so you know he's like well there's tornadoes there's tornadoes ah it's fine we'll get away from we're going north they're going east whatever and we get just outside i said iowa city and the tornado siren goes off on my truck didn't even know i had one (laughs) and it's just this alert and he's freaking out and he's just in the passenger just freaking out i'm like what and then I talked him into going Facebook Live. <laughs> My mom was terrified. He was scared. He was scared of this tornado. And I mean, the tornado, I mean, it was at least five or six miles away. And we were just getting, he's like, well, are we going to pull over? Well, no, we're going to we're going to go a little farther. We're going to turn north and we'll be out of it. And guess what, Luke? We got out of it, didn't we? We did. But it was terrifying. Oh, I still, it was great. I still stand by. That was, that was a terrifying drive. Well, thanks for being on, man. I really appreciate it. Is there any uh, any sponsors or websites or anything that you'd like to get out to people? Well, you know, I mean, as always, you know, the, you know, Smithfield's been a, a sponsor and, you know, we, we support them and everything that's going on. Just, they've been great. Big Papa Smoker, Matt Grill, by far the best pellet cooker on the market. And you know, the, the, the one star and the two star, the most fabulous cooking machines there. And of course, Jambo Pits. Jambo Pits are, you know, second to none. Um, and then Pinky Swear. Get yeah. a chance. Go out to pinkyswear.org. I mean, it's the most wonderful story. It'll have you in tears um, when you first read it. But it's it's one of the foundations we support as Smokey D's and on the competition circuit about giving you know, money to families and kids with cancer. So it's a great, great deal and um, lots of fun and competition barbecue and being able to do it's allowed us to do that. So, yeah, that's a great foundation. Well, thanks again, my friend. And I hope to see you soon. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast and to share it out with your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2020. Oh, yes. Old Virginia Smoke.